Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. The Spirit is the one who anoints, okay? And we see this in 1 Samuel and Isaiah. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit is always with people, but it's different than the New Testament. And this is something that's really, really significant, okay? When humanity fell, God is still present in the world, but there is this separation between us and God, right? Sin has caused this separation, and this is the Old Testament. So people couldn't have that direct communication with God like we could. There had to be some kind of a system. If the people wanted to talk to God, they would have to have a mediator, and that's the priest. And the priest would talk on behalf of the people to God once a year on Yom Kippur, okay, which is the Day of Atonement. And they would ask for forgiveness. And then if God wanted to talk to the people, he spoke through the prophets. The prophets would speak and say, thus saith the Lord, and then it would go. Right? That was their mode of communication. But the Spirit of God was ever-present, is everywhere. And the Spirit would come upon people and anoint them and kind of like empower, like an, an anointing. But it was a power from like upon and not really this power from within. In fact, the Bible says that John the Baptist was the last and greatest of those prophets. But anyone in the kingdom of God, anyone, it's y'all included, me included, is greater than John the Baptist. Okay? It's in the book of John. So what is the difference? Why is this? So you have people that are anointed. You have like King Saul, King Solomon. They're, they're anointed by God. You know, they, they, they do their thing. King David is anointed by God, right? And they all have their anointing. They all do their thing. And it's, it's cool. It's like... When you're anointed, you're like, you got like this special something, you know what I mean? Um, if anybody has like played music with people that seem like they're anointed, has anybody ever done that? Like, I'm a musician and a songwriter, and I'm, I'm like pretty good, you know what I mean? But then there's those people that are like stupid good, you know what I mean? There's like, uh, like we have a professor, um, well, well, actually a lot of our professors, not me, but a lot of our other professors in our program are like this. Mikey G is one of these guys, Mike Gabrant. He's the kind of guy that, like, he, he just makes you mad. Alex is laughing, but he's the guy that just makes you mad. You know what I mean? Like, you'll be playing something, and you'll be like, oh, this is cool. And you'll be like, hey, 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 hey. And he's just such a, like, lively, fun guy. What if you do this? And he'll just jump on the piano and just be like, bruh, bruh, bruh. And you're like, oh, my gosh. That's so good. He just came up with that like that. And then it's like, he's a pianist, but then he's also sponsored by Yamaha on drums. And so we're like, hey, Mikey G, we don't have a drummer. Can you just come in and play? He's like, sure. And he's just like, bruh, 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 you know? taught himself cello. He's freaking good at cello. He's great at guitar. He doesn't even, that's not even his main instrument. He'll come in there and like slice you up on guitar. He's one of those guys. They got a little something on him. You know what I mean? There's people like that. And that's, like, that's kind of what an anointing is. It's like this special like, like, like gifting, this, uh, this, this anointing that's on you. Okay? And anointed people have that. So I'm going to give you one more, one more little thing about uh, kind of how the, the Holy Spirit's role was. So uh, just to give you guys some context. There was, in the Old Testament, they used to have the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle is kind of like this tent, this movable place of worship. And the, the Israelites were mobile at first. They weren't, like, in a, in a situated place. So they would, like, go and travel, and then they would, like, erect a tabernacle, and it, it would just basically be mobile, you know? And in the tabernacle, the back space would actually be, like, this holy space, and like, kind of like this right here. This would be, like, the holy space. And they would travel around with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a holy, like, box, and it had these long stick things that they would 
carry, and they would have like four people that would carry it, and it would go, like one on each side, and it would have this ark, this box thing. And uh, it had um, holy relics in it, and, uh, but it was known, some, some people say, like, it was no, understood to hold the tablets from the Ten Commandments, like these holy relics. But it had like this, the spirit of God was residing there. It's like the spirit was very, very present, like, like anointing it even specially. Now, that's not like the Holy Spirit was only there, because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And he was also beckoning people, anointing people, and doing all this kind of stuff. But the spirit was just like extra present there. Okay, and so they would go, and it was some pretty serious stuff. I mean, one time, there's a story in the Bible in 2 Samuel where they were going, and uh, Uzzah, one of the guys carrying it, a guy named Uzzah, like, tripped, and then, like, accidentally touched it, and then died. The power in it, just like, he just died, just done. Okay, and so uh, it was powerful, you know what I mean? I don't know, how, like, there's probably a whole lot of theology we can make out of that, you know what I mean? But, uh, but it's, the point is, there's power there. So... They built the temple as their house. After they were like, okay, we're established now. Israel is what it is. No more traveling tabernacle. We're going to build a temple. And this was Solomon's thing. He wanted to build the temple. David started it. Solomon wanted to finish it. And then when, when Solomon built it, he had this place that was called the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant was there in Solomon's temple. Okay? And the thing that separated the holy space of the temple, it's actually like, actually, I don't know if y'all knew this, but like uh, sanctuaries are shaped like the temple. They're, they're actually, th this being there, it goes back from like Catholic days in, in Christian history, they're actually shaped like it. So like the word and all this kind of stuff would have been where the holy of holies was. So if all of this was like kind of this holy area, you could enter it like most of the day. And there was a courtyard outside, then you enter the church and you go to this area. But this area would have been, would have been separated by this real thick veil, this red veil. And inside of it, in, in Solomon's day, was the Ark of the Covenant, but it was at least a really holy place. And so they were on a sacrificial system. You could only go there once a year. The priest would have to be, like, pure and holy. He would go in there, and then he would actually make a sacrifice of a pure spotless lamb or whatever in that place on behalf of all the people to make sure that they're in right standings with God. Okay? Old Testament sacrificial system. Y'all with me? Everybody good? Okay, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a background there because now we're going to shift gear. So remember this, okay? Holy, holy, temple, big old veil, okay? Y'all got it? We're good? All right, holy. Can't, can't mess with this stuff, okay? Holy Spirit's up in there, okay? All right. So we also read that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. We read this in Romans, right? So I'm giving you guys a lot of background, but it's important. It's important. So one of my favorite uh, theologians, Jürgen Maltman, said this, and this is in his book, Spirit of Life. It is precisely his suffering with the Son to the point of death on the cross which makes the rebirth of Christ from the Spirit inwardly possible. The Spirit participates in the dying of the Son in order to give him life from the dead. Because he accompanies Christ to his end, he can make his end a new beginning. Okay? So it's saying... Because the Spirit accompanies Jesus in his death, he can give Christ a new beginning. We'll unpack that a little bit. Okay? So the Holy Spirit was with Christ in life and death, also descended with Christ into death and hell. That sounds funky for some people. I'll teach students. They're like, what? But that's what Holy Saturday is all about. When Jesus uh, died on, uh, on, on Good Friday, Holy Saturday, it's, uh, it's Christ's descent into hell. This is in 1 Peter uh, 4, 6, Ephesians 4, 9. And then there's the resurrection. He went to set the captives free. I just see him, like, 
like Jesus going to hell, slapping around some demons and stuff like that, and then bringing the, you know, the righteous back up, you know what I mean? So, um, but that's, that's scriptural. So the death of Christ merits the Holy Spirit to resurrect out of hell. So check this out. Christ is God. Trinity, interpenetrating. One way of being God, Jesus, boom. All right? We're doing a lot of theology this morning. We're, we're doing a lot. You know what I'm saying? Trinity and all that stuff. It's good. Okay? The Spirit is God. The Spirit brings life. He's the Spirit of life. Right? So the death of Christ enabled the Holy Spirit to gain entry into hell. To bring life even to it. Okay? To truly, truly defeat death. Hell is where dead people go. Hell is where the dead reside. When you die, this is Old Testament, you know what I'm saying? Jesus hadn't died yet, you know what I'm saying? They would go to hell, or maybe Abraham's bosom, other theology stuff, but like you would go there, separation from God. Well, when the spirit of life goes to the land of the dead, what happens? Come on. What happens? Come on. Y'all know. Come on. Resurrection. Somebody said it back there. Who said it? Who said it? I can't see anybody. Who said it? The, okay. Somebody back. I still can't. I can't. Oh, it's Andy. Andy Harsworth. What's up? All right. He said it. All right. Cool. All right. Resurrection happens. This is why Jesus was able to resurrect from the dead to defeat death. Because the spirit of life descended down to where the dead were. And the dead cannot hold Christ because of, what did Romans 8 tell us? The power of the Holy Spirit. And not only, Jesus is said to be the first fruit, the firstborn. So not only does he resurrect from the dead, but we resurrect from the dead. The power of sin is now literally, actually defeated. There's nothing that can stop us. Death cannot stop us. Because of the Spirit of God. Because of what Jesus did and because of the Spirit of God. We tend to forget this. You know what I mean? Now, we're going to go back to the temple. Y'all ready? We're going to go back to the temple. This is a cool little passage. I don't know if y'all knew this, but Matthew 27, 50 through 54 says this. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is the Carrie Job song. The ground began to shake. <laughs> like, the storm was rolled away. Like a whole, that's the Carrie Job song. Okay? But so there's an earthquake, ground splits, blah, you know what I'm saying? And then the curtain that separates what? The holy place from the holy of holies is split into two. Because this whole little system that we had to do, the whole like, hey, the priest has to sacrifice uh, on behalf of, of the people in order to be in right standards with God, that is donezo. It is over. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But not just that, this is where the Spirit resided. And the Bible tells us very, very clearly, there's a new temple. Where's the temple? We're the temple. Somebody over there said it again. Maybe it was Andy again, but I like it. I like it. Good job. That was good. We are the temple. The Bible says we are the temple of God. Don't you see? The power that was in the ark that a dude touched and died now resides in us. That same power. 
And that's just a little thing. That's just a little thing. The power that resurrected Christ from the dead resides in us. Okay? Man. That's some serious stuff there, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. God, it says this. Uh... So we're going to reiterate. I'm going to bring it back to, to Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who, and who dwells in you. So um, there's a, a cool quote from, uh, from Francis Chan that I like a lot from his book called Forgotten God. He's a pastor, a really good pastor. He does, does some good stuff. He said this, churchgoers all across the nation say the Holy Spirit has entered them. They claim that God has given them a supernatural ability to follow Christ, put their sin to death, and serve the church. Christians talk about being born again and say that they were dead but now have come to life. We have become hardened to those words, but they are powerful words that have significant meaning. Yet, when those outside the church see no difference in our lives, they begin to question our integrity, our sanity, or even worse, our God. And can you blame them? So think about that. What's the difference between someone who's dead and who's alive? That's what we're saying, right? Okay, so this is the power. That same power dwells in us. And so we can just get, get that. And if we can take one thing away, let's take that title away. The same power. That same power. That same power is the power that frees us from sin's strongholds. So look, discipline is what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be disciplined. But we don't do discipline by ourselves. We do discipline by the power of the Holy Spirit. I got a little visual aid for you guys. All right, so I'm going to bring this over. Y'all can just watch me bring this over. So um, we, didn't, we, didn't, uh, we didn't plan this out of how this would come over. So this is what's happening, okay? So y'all just, it's all good. It's happening. Okay, all right, all right. Y'all might have seen this before. This is a famous sermon example. I've done it when I was a youth pastor, college group pastor. I did it. It's a good one, though. I didn't make it up, but it's a good one. All right. So this, it's going to be hard to actually talk. Never mind. <laughs> you have like a, yeah, can I get that stand? Or that, that thing to hold the mic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. All right. So I'll, I'll explain it while he's doing it. Okay. All right. So when we think about doing stuff on our own, it's like this. This cup is us, okay? All of those ping pong balls are sin. Yes, all right, cool. Let's see. I think we can. Where's the wilders away? It'll go. Didn't work. We got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's coming. Huh? Okay, so I'll just keep going. So this... This, right, these ping pong balls are sin, right? So, thank you, there we go. All right, all right. So, we have this, uh, this concept where, where, like, we, when we're Christians, we want to stop sinning. I mean, that's a pretty obvious but, like, good concept, right? Like, you, we're convinced. We become a Christian. We're like, hey, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to be like Christ. And so I know that those things that are holding me back, the sins, the, the, the anger, the lust, the hatred, the, the greed, the, the violence that's in our own lives, all this kind of stuff, we know we want to die to that, right? 
And we, when we say, I accept Jesus in my heart, we have an intellectual change, and we also have a heart change. But then we can start getting caught up in problems. And a lot of Christians do this. They're like, okay, I got this. I'm with it. Sammy has convinced me very clearly. He's totally right. I got to stop this junk. And so we're like doing this. And this ping pong ball right here is like, this is anger. Bible says I need to be slow to anger. So I'm going to do these methods, method A, B, C, D. I'm going to do all this stuff to stop being angry. Now, is that a bad thing? No. It's not a bad thing to think of ways to not be angry. You know what I mean? That's a good thing. You might even be successful about it. And so you like, you like maybe get this out of the way, and then you start tackling the next one. Oh, this is, a, this is greed. This is a way to stop being greedy. And then you just you do all these methods or whatever, and then um, in that, you know, maybe you get angry again. This comes back in. You know what I mean? And then, uh, oh, this is lust. I'm going to start tackling that. And you see, we start doing things on our own devices. We start trying to get this thing out of here. But what is the way that we can get all of this stuff out of here at the same time? Jesus. All right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's usually the right answer, right? It's a Sunday school answer. Anybody know? Uh, Jesus? <laughs> like, like, nope. Okay. <laughs> like, but, yeah, I mean, it's not wrong. Okay. So the way to do it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. This water is the Holy Spirit. And if I fill this cup and it overflows with the Spirit, guess what's going to happen to all those sinful ping pong balls? Let's take a look. Get up out of there. Stop it. Get up out of there. Yeah, look at that. Oh, there's one lingering. Oh, you're going to, okay, okay. Boom. Now, that, okay. Hopefully that worked for you guys. Yeah. Here's the point. The, uh, the ping pong balls, the, the ping pong balls are, 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 are something that we're going to like basically overcome our whole lives. You know what I mean? When we become a Christian, it's not like all of a sudden the sin that has ensnared us just stops. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, it's going to take our whole lives to, to, to uh, sanctify, to, to grow and, and to have power over it by the Holy Spirit, right? And so that's why we can see, like, people that are young, like us, like, like me, like Sammy or whatever, like young-ish, I guess. I, I dye my hair, you know what I'm saying? I'm young-ish. You know what I'm saying? We're, like, we're like pretty cool, but then you'll get someone like Grandma Liz who's, like, super cool, right? And the reason why is because there's been a lot more, a lot more sanctification happening in her life, you know what I mean? Right? That's right. That's right, though. That's right. And so, um, and so some of the greatest, sweetest people are those people that have been walking with the Spirit their whole lives and allowing the Spirit to, to sanctify them their whole lives, to, to, to make them pure and holy, right? But the point is we can't do this on our own merit, even if it's a good thing. We have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So, uh, um, you know, there was, I read this one book one time. It was a guy named Merlin Carruthers, and, and it was a miracle, he was, a, he was an army chaplain, and there's this chaplain that was like, he became a Christian. He was like, I can't stop smoking. I just want to. And so, like, he prayed over him that he would stop smoking. And then he would, like, the, the dude, like, violently threw up every time he would try to smoke. Like, just like, like that's like that happened. So there are miracles like that that happen. We're not, we're not going to put anything past God. God can do stuff. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's about making our flesh submit to the spirit. Most of the time, God wants us to play an active role in this, right? He wants us to play an active role. Obviously, God can make anything submit, but he wants to empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit to have our, our flesh submit. It's like, it's like when, when we're in prison 
it's not so much that, like, he opens the door and then takes our hand and throws us out. Maybe he opens the door, but we still got to walk out, right? So how can we be active? It's not that we shouldn't sin. That's totally right. We should not sin. That's, that's exactly right. It's the manner of which we do it, okay? So if we, we need to shift our focus on doing good in the spirit rather than not doing bad in the flesh. When we start focusing on, the, on just not doing bad, all we're doing in our lives is sin management. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to manage this. I'm going to do this a little bit. I'm gonna do, not going to do that. If we practice the positive of living in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit will overflow in our lives and the negative will float away just like that, the ping pong balls did. Right? When you're in spirit, in worship, in prayer, in reading, when you're helping others, James tells us that, that helping widows and the poor and stuff is the true religion. That's actually what it is. Then we don't have time to sin because we're in this. And the good practices that form us turn into those habits, and those habits shape us to who we are, right? So practice the ways of the Spirit, okay? I heard a pastor once say, on our best day, we are nothing but a sinner that's been saved by grace. Now, don't get me wrong. There is truth in the fact that, that we are sinners saved by grace, he was wrong when he said, we're nothing but. That's what the problem was. On our best days, we're nothing but sinners saved by grace. I don't know. The Bible I read, this is right here, tells me that I'm a child of God. It tells me I have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Right? It tells me that the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That's what the Bible that I read tells me, Right? So why don't we live that way? Because people are living in the sense that I'm nothing but a sinner that's been saved by grace. Let's start acting like heirs to the kingdom of God, which we are. Let's start having this authority, this spiritual authority that God has given us because we are temples of God. Right? Paul makes this clear again in Galatians. This is Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It didn't say, stop doing the things of the flesh. It said, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the flesh. See, um, and I'll, I'll keep reading from there. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, and we know this, we know this passage. Um, uh, Pam, uh, Sammy just used it a couple weeks ago to preach. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you, that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the wrong focus, though. Don't focus on simply not doing that. That's not how that, verse, that passage started. It started with walk by the Spirit. Don't focus on simply not doing that. But focus on doing something else. Walking in the Spirit. And if you are walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul's saying. 
Don't you see why we don't have law? Because law condemns. If we sin, we are condemned to the consequences of those sins. And so we keep living in this thing of like sinning and not sinning and condemnation because we're sinning. We're going to be stuck in that. But if we live by the Spirit, then we're not stuck in that. And the Spirit will wash that out. God is bigger than that. God is much bigger than that. He, raised, he resurrected the same power, resurrected Jesus from the dead, right? So how is this for you? Do you see yourself bearing more fruit of the spirit or the flesh? Okay. Are you more joyful or angry? Do you have patience or fits of rage? Do you have self-control or do you give in to your fleshly desires? Do you bring, bring peace or dissension? Do you love or hate? Now, I know that Paul said that, this is not, that those people will not care at the kingdom of God, but I don't think he's saying you're going to go to hell if you do these things. Because the life of Christianity means a life of sanctification. If we want to end up as, as cool as Grandma Liz, then we got to die to our sin daily, right? And we will continue to grow like this, right? So, but if you're not showing the fruit of the Spirit, is there a problem? Yes, right? Whether you're ignoring the Spirit, not trusting the Spirit, or don't care about the Spirit, something is not in right order. But a lot of times, it might not be that. It might be that we're just having, we're living in the struggle, between flesh and spirit. And what we need to do is give over to the spirit and live in that, right? Okay, so the point is walk in the spirit so we can be set free from the bonds of sin. The spirit transforms the person's mind, which leads to life. That's Romans 8, 5, 8. It says a little bit later on from the passage I read in the beginning. The spirit aids in putting to death the deeds of the body. That's Romans 8, 13. And the spirit sanctifies and transforms us into the image of God's likeness it's the same power and listen this is we're just talking about like just disciplines about not sinning and about all this kind of stuff and living in that power but the spirit empowers us for everything in our lives it empowers us for witnesses for witnessing and i'm not going to get into this This is probably a whole other this is like a series or something but like the spirit would empower us and give us gifts to go and witness to the rest of the world spiritual gifts physical gifts all this kind of stuff the spirit guides us he guides us towards truth there's so much there every aspect of our life is saturated when the, when the spirit overflows our cup, right? And so, but this is the one aspect when we've been talking about habit is that the spirit needs to get us. Like this, here's the thing. Jürgen Moltmann says this. The events of, of everything that we talked about, the last supper, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and even Pentecost, he says all those things work together for one goal. For us to be seized by the living, giving, the life-giving spirit and experiencing the powers of the world to come. Jesus' ministry is not just to give us an example, although he did that, right? It wasn't just to defeat death, although he did that, which is crazy. Jesus' ministry was not just to defeat death. I mean, that's a huge part of it, right? But it's not just that. It's so that way we could be seized by the life-giving spirit in every aspect of our life. So we can walk lockstep with the spirit in our lives. And then everything else will go. Should anything have power over you? Substances, lustful desires, peer pressure, the desire for power, the desire for greed, sometimes even good stuff, a reliance on security. Should these things have power over us? No. Right? The spirit is guiding us. And sometimes the spirit guides us to places that makes us uncomfortable. Places where we're like, I don't know what the answer is. I got a whole bunch of testimonies about that. I don't got time for that today. Okay? But should we have power over things by the power of the Holy Spirit? 
Absolutely. If God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8.31. We are more than conquerors through who? Through him who has loved us. Romans 8.37. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. You see, it is by the same power of the Holy Spirit. Christ did the deed. The Spirit fills us. They were working in tangent together. Right? Practice the positive of living in the power of the Spirit. So I'm just going to leave with this passage right here and pray us out. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our praise and glorify name. And I just thank you for this day. And, uh, and God, I just pray that you just uh, let what Paul is saying sink in our hearts, Lord. Let us understand what it means, what, 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 we're talk, what you're talking about when you say to walk in the Spirit. God, let our disciplines be those of the Spirit. Conform us daily to your image. God, we love you and we thank you. We need you. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.